2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, or from now on, know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So I'm going to read it in the NLT real quick. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Verse 16. At one time we thought of Christ from a, merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And the old life is gone and a new life has begun. And so the title is a tell with just one L, tell or a transformation. A tell or a transformation. Are you ready? Can you understand my vernacular? I'm a Canadian. Is that all right? <laughs> God is good. That's why there's only one L in tell. No, that's not true. God's, God's ready to do something here. It has been literally from the beginning of the service. The glory of God has been in this house. And so one more time, let's pray. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness. And the glory of God that's in this place. And we pray in Jesus' name. God, by the power of the word of God and the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. God, that you would transform lives, that you would heal, that you would deliver God in the name of Jesus. Set the captive free. Break every chain break every addiction Lord in the name of Jesus tonight speak Lord God let there be faith operating in the gifts of the spirit in this place in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus amen praise God when you preach and when you receive it doesn't just affect here or the, the those listening on online but it also affects the atmosphere of the community. And I want us to really quickly just lift your hands and begin to pray that what God does tonight will flow from us outside. Yes. Amen. Up along this valley in the name of Jesus. Father, amen. Let a spirit of deliverance and faith. God, let a revelation of Jesus. God, let it begin to draw people, men and women and young people and children to you in an unprecedented way, Jesus, for great deliverance to happen in this place through this pastor and through these people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated if you like. And so the scriptures are very powerful, amen. And this is really cool because he starts in verse 16 com comparing uh, the, the, the way people viewed Jesus to, to who Jesus really was. And uh, you could talk about Jesus being from Bethlehem, which they literally termed the armpit of the province of Judea. And then he was, was raised in Egypt, which is like uh, in kind of a type of sin and then in Nazareth, in the, in the play, hill country of Galilee, which people down in Judea look down upon Galileans. And uh, it's kind of like in, in Jerusalem, 
um, they had latte macchiato and they said vente instead of large. You get that if you've been to Starbucks. You know, they had the big city of Jerusalem and, and so they looked down in Galilee and said, so Nathaniel said when he was introduced to Jesus, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And what's crazy is all the disciples were from up north in Galilee except for Judas, the one who betrayed him. And so when Peter was just before the crucifixion, the maiden lady said, she, the girl said, uh, you're one of them for your speech betrayeth thee. You know, we think like, you know, he was speaking and there was a halo over his head and he was like, Dear brothers and sisters, let us stand. You know, like a really holy sounding voice. But she was talking about his accent because she, they were in, in Judea, in Jerusalem, and they didn't like Galileans, and he had a Galilean accent just like Jesus. And so they looked down on him. Matter of fact, the Bible says there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. There was no form or comeliness, which means he wasn't buff. You know, do you say that here? You know, not buff like me. Don't, why are you laughing? Stop that. You know, he didn't run around saying, you know, check out my triceps, man. You know what I'm saying? That Jesus was not a bodybuilder and he wasn't good looking in the flesh. How many just glad to be like Jesus? <laughs> so, that's in the flesh. But imagine the mountain of transfiguration when they got to the top of the mountain and he was transfigured before them. And all of a sudden this nondescript normal man and the I am, the Emmanuel, God with us, begin to shine through that normal into this transformal or transformational. Amen? Imagine that. And then, and then Paul himself Look at how he viewed Jesus compared to how he figured out who really Jesus was. At first, he, he saw Jesus as a cult leader, right? As this evil leader of these awful people that is going to stir up the Romans against the Jews. And he's a troublemaker and they all should be killed. So he's on the way to Damascus to kill Jesus people, right? And to imprison them. And a great light shines from heaven and uh, this is going to be so cool. He, he looks up into heaven and said, Who art thou, Lord? And what was the answer? I am Jesus. And if, I mean, I imagine stuff, you know. I, I think of Paul looking up into heaven and seeing Jesus and saying something like this. Why are you up there? I thought you'd be in hell. But you're running heaven. <laughs> Because literally how he viewed Jesus, he thought he was doing God a favor by just destroying Jesus' people. But instead, he's the one that sits on the throne. Amen? And so think about that when Paul said how differently we know him now. The contrast between how he viewed Jesus to how Jesus really is. And that's really not even the point. That's a model or an illustration that leads up to something in verse 17. 17 begins, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
And so the difference between how you viewed this Jesus as just this normal Galilean to how he really is transfigured, uh, that's the, the model or the illustration to show us what a transformed life looks like. Amen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You've went from darkness to light. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans 6 said in verse 3, as many as have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. In verse 4, we're buried with him by baptism. Amen. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. That is so amazing. So uh, we're buried with him or we're baptized into Christ. And then when we receive the Holy Ghost, it's called Christ in us. So literally, it's like I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And uh, why do we pray like he's out past Pluto? Does anyone have any reason? How many ever said, well, well, I was praying. I really did try to pray, but it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. I'm like, well, that's okay. If your prayers bounce off the ceiling, you just, you just that means he hears it more. Because he's in the room. Amen? How many went to school and Pluto was a planet? How many went to school and heard that Pluto is no longer a planet? It's like, what happened to poor Pluto? But God is not just out there in the galaxy or in the universe. Amen. He's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. He's in you and you're in him. He's right here. Amen. And he has transformed you and he's put you in the Christ. That's absolutely amazing. But our brains and our mindsets are still back there. Let me explain it like this. There's people that, like you, Pastor, I'd like for you to come to visit us in the Netherlands. I'd love for you to preach in our church and speak to us in our Bible school because I know that you would be a good traveler. But there are other people, the others, those others that I do not want to visit the Netherlands because they're bad travelers. Can I explain what a bad traveler is? You're in the Netherlands and uh, you say, I want a t-shirt that says, I love Amsterdam. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to another tourist shop. And so we go into this little tourist shop, and uh, you look, at, and the T-shirt says six euros, right? And you're like, six euros? And you're like, six euros? It's like, how much is that in American? I'm like, oh, you haven't changed your money over to the kingdom of the Netherlands? Like, no, how much is that in American? Will they change my money? Will they take my card? I'm like, oh... Six euros is about eight bucks, I don't know, American. And then you, but I'll say, hurry up, because I want, I want to have supper, I'm hungry. And, uh, and then you look at your watch and say, oh my goodness, it's three o'clock in the morning back home. And I'm like, it's supper time here, baby. And I'm hungry. So, 
you're a bad traveler. Why? Because good travelers change their clock when they're on the airplane. And they've changed their money before they get there. And they refuse to think back home. I literally tell people, say, stop, don't tell me what time it is back home. I'm not there. I'm here. And if you do that, miraculously jet lag falls by the wayside. It just does because it's a mindset. So imagine you're in the Netherlands, but you think like you're back in America. You never really get along. I don't care if you're there three months or six months. or There's people that live somewhere for years and they never acclimatize. Amen. So this is what happens. We're baptized into the Christ. We're new creatures. All things are passed away. We're in the kingdom of heaven, but our brains are still back where we came from. And so we can't really enjoy Jesus and the purpose that God has for our lives. Because we're living in two worlds, in two kingdoms. Amen? Let me explain it this way. A tell, T-E-L, how many want to know what a tell is? How many has heard of Tel Aviv? Aha, uh-huh, city in Israel. Tel Megiddo. There's a lot of tells. And a tell literally means a mound. But it's not just any kind of mound. It's an architect- or architectural, archaeological mound. It's a geographical site. And so... Uh, Tel Aviv, Tel means a mound or a rune, and uh, Aviv means the springtime. And so it literally, literally means from runes to restoration. But this is how a Tel is developed. Uh, the, a town was destroyed, people were killed or enslaved, and the Middle Eastern desert blows in, right? And then all of the mud huts disintegrate or are torn down, and, but it makes a mound, But history repeats itself, so a generation or even several generations later, they come back and build on the exact same site. Cities, sieges, civil strife, famines, all of this happens again and again on the same site. And sometimes there's literally over 15 layers of failed civilizations. Because a few stragglers always make their way back and to the ghost town and began to rebuild. Sometimes they'd reach into the ground and take out pottery or building blocks that was used by former civilizations to help make the next civilization. That's amazing. And then we have a slide there about the citadel of Aleppo. And this is kind of cool. This is in northern Syria. And... uh, it's thought to have, this is built on a tell that's thought, thought to have started 3,000 years before Jesus. So a very long time. They said Abraham would have brought his sheep through here. And the Neo-Hittites lived there and set up. And then layer after layer of failed civilization and overthrown governments. And then the Assyrians from the 8th to the 4th century B.C. And then the Bab- Neo-Babylonians and the Persians. So you got layers. Just think, this platform is a tell, but just for tonight, hypothetically. And so each layer is another layer, layer after layer. 
And so you're standing here, right? You're going to see mama, but you're walking on a tell. You're walking on layers of issues and, and things that have happened and, and failed civilization. And that's exactly a great portrayal of our lives. Amen? Yes, Adam, we don't know what color hair, how he was tall, good looking. We don't know what they looked like, but we know that they sinned. And then six, over 6,000 years later, we are born with his sin nature, right? We're totally affected by generation after generation of issues. Amen. How many of you ever heard of the new couple that just got married? Do we have any young couples? Here's a young couple. Such a beautiful young couple. Just got married, right? <laughs> and, and so... Do you like chicken legs, bro? Good, good answer. He likes chicken legs. So just, this is hypothetical, okay? But imagine that he looks and he, she's putting in the oven a pan, and before she puts the chicken in the pan, she cuts the chicken legs off. And he's like, why are you taking the chicken legs off? It's my favorite part. And she said, I don't know, but my mama always cut the chicken legs off before she put the pan in the oven. So said, I got to get to the root of the problem. So he goes back and talks to her mom. And mama says, well, the reason that I cut the chicken legs off was because my mama did it. She never cooked the chicken legs with the chicken. And I just thought that's how you do it. So he goes back and talks to her grandmother and said, Grammy, why? Did you always cut the chicken legs off the chicken before you put it in the oven? And she said, it's because... I always had this little tiny pan. <laughs> the chicken legs wouldn't fit in the pan. Now, that's just a parable, okay? It's hypothetical. But just think about it. How that my problem, a small pan, can affect my grandkids. Right? So now you're in the kingdom of heaven, but the things that have affected you, the tell, the life, it's like, uh, what time is it back home? See, you're affected by things. Like, for example, you're, you said your personality's formed by the time you're four. You don't even, even remember the things that formed your personality. But your brain remembers them, which is weird. Right? Your brain remembers them, your emotions remember them, but you don't remember them. Like, why am I like this? You know, it's like, honey, you're, you're, this is how wives train uh, the husbands. Right? How many has been trained? Or you're in the middle of being trained right now. Don't lift your hands. Don't look around. So, you will not say, pass the salt and pepper. Please pass the salt and pepper. You will say, Honey dear, would you mind, sweetie pie, if you would please pass this? Okay, I can do that. Pass the stinking salt and pepper. No, let's try this again. So we, we take like 50 years of marriage to try to retrain when our personality was shaped before, long, long, long before uh, we ever met. Isn't that sad? Don't you hate missionaries? They tell you that stuff. And, and then they say, I'll give you another one that, that makes you even more depressed. 
you know that in, in our world, this, even the secular world, they've discovered that men have a purpose. I was shocked by that. <laughs> because like moms, okay, we're talking about in the life of the child. Moms, they get pregnant and the belly looks just like this, right? <laughs> but with purpose. And they hold the baby inside their body for nine months. We can't compete with that, guys, right? We can't compete with that. And then when the baby's born, she can feed the baby with her own body. And the night, she kicks dad. Go get the baby, you know. I can't feed him, you know. It's her body. You go get the baby. Another, <clears throat> go get the baby. Okay. I mean, he's useless, you know what I'm saying? But then the baby is born, and what's the baby's first name, or first word? And I'm a guy, and I like it, but I, even I know it's not fair that the baby says dad to have first. It's just not fair. But why is that? It's that way because, according to secular sources, that 80% of the self-worth of a person comes from the natural father. So as much as a nurturer mom is, she's not meant to put a sense of self-worth into the child. It's somehow regulated to the dad. Right? So it's dad that says, look at you. I'm proud of you. Look at your must, my boy. Right? It's the dad that's designed by God to say, oh, look at my little girl. You're so cute. Don't worry, my wife is secure. We're good, okay? So, <laughs> she's not the jealous type. So, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of crazy. And then, and then when you study dad in the world we live in today, that's really sad. So, so over 90%, I think around 95%, uh, it, it is in 80% deficit with dad-given self-esteem. Even if your father's in the home, I'm affected by my father, my father's affected by his father. My father's the most wonderful, godly Christian. But if I say, hey, dad, love you, he'll go, yup. <laughs> Why? Because his dad was in, a, in the wars all of his brothers, he was only nine years old and four brothers, came, older brothers come back from the war. None of those brothers and the dad would ever talk about what happened. They suffered trauma, right? And so that next generation, they said, lost like 40% of their connection to their children, right? That's people that are old people, considered older right now. And then they the next generation spent like another 40% less time with their kid. And so even if there's a family unit somewhat, most people have grown up with deficits, with low self-esteem, with no sense of identity. And then, okay, I got to hurry. Think about this. Think about sexual abuse. Think about racism. All right, think about bullying. When I was a kid, um, I was, how would you say it? underdeveloped. I was in size 6X forever. 
I was like 16, 17 before I was like, got a voice change. And uh, I'd come up to like, when I was their age, I was come up to their belt and I hated them for it. But I'm over it now, okay? I've got victory. And there was a guy, this is the problem. So I was born with ears this big, but I was underdeveloped. So my face was like this big, this wide. And when you get fat and older, your ears kind of sit back in your head. But when I was young, they, they were straight out, like alfalfa. And so here I was, this little kid, ADHD, before it was diagnosed. Oh, I had twitches and ticks, which is true. <laughs> and uh, on the way to school, this underdeveloped young kid with... And my ears stuck straight out like this. And so on the school bus, there was a guy, and don't worry, I've got victory over it. But his name was Keith. And Keith would sit you know, on the bus behind me, and he would ping my ears all the way to school and all the way home and call me ears and call me Dumbo. And he'd make up new jokes every day. Like, you don't have to take the bus. You can fly home. <laughs> you know. Good thing there's not a windstorm. Those years will slap your face off. <laughs> so all the way to school, all the way home. And then I was ADHD, so I had very little concentration. And apparently, it's be, some people believe it's had nothing to do with your brain, that it's just a lack of discipline. <laughs> Promise. I can't say what my parents did because they'll go to jail. I'm joking. I'm joking. But believe me, they believed in discipline. Thank you, Jesus. My great parents. Oh, yeah. So all the things in what I had was a wonderful life compared to some of the horrible things and issues that people sitting right here tonight have gone through. Amen. You can miss what you never had. Example, my brother, Robert James, died before I was born, but I miss him. I wonder what he was like. You can miss a father that you've never had. You can miss a relationship with a betrayal. See, this is what happens. Is, do I got a couple more minutes? So it's like, sister, what's your name? Nice glasses. Hi, Lindsay. Ow, ow. So imagine that when I shook her hand, she cut my hand. And then I'm going over here to bro. Hey, bro, what's your name? Hey, Tim. Ow, that hurts. That hurts. But Tim didn't hurt me. He didn't cut my hand. She did. Right? But now I've got this cut. So with every new connection, every new relationship, every new friendship. Ow. Hey, bro. Ow, that hurts. Right? That's what happens to our emotions. We, we are walking on a tell. And so we bring that pain into every connection. And so here we are, baptized into Christ. We're sons of God and daughters of the Most High King. But, and we're, but we're, we're emotionally, we're not here. We're back there. We're, our emotions are still. See, Jesus saves your spirit, but you have to save your mind. And how do you do it? The, believe the word of God. Amen? And not what the devil says. That's it. Amen? That's what it, that's what it takes. I know who I am in Christ. 
I'm not back there in this time zone with this money system. I'm here and this is what time it is. I'm going to live here. I'm in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? It takes people that say, I'm not living on the tell. Just because grandma had no chicken legs, too bad, her, her small pan, but I've moved locations. Amen. I'm not living with fear. I'm not living with insecurity. I'm not living. And, and it's a road. It's a road of taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's a road, amen, of neuroplasticity, which is how you literally retrain the wiring in your own brain to match the kingdom of God. Amen. So you begin to speak and you begin to say, I am not that. I am not that. I am not that. Oh, you're just like your dad. I am not. See, see, you've got that, you've got that thought again. No, I am not. Uh, imagination. It literally means a mental image, a picture, a video. And you're like, you're ready to, maybe I could have a ministry. Maybe pastor's right and God can do something in my life. And you're ready to pounce forward and grab it. And the enemy puts that mental video in you, that horrible, of the shame of that abuse, that hurt, that betrayal, that pain, that cut, right? And it comes back and it just overflows and becomes an anxiety attack or panic or depression. And you go back into a cycle of, uh, of addiction or insomnia and you can't sleep. Why? Because, because you've got to understand, amen, you've got to understand who you are in Christ and you got to retrain your thinking. I'll give you a, a quick illustration of this. Amen. The last, I believe the last slide shows it. But um, during the Second World War, this is my only reference or illustration to Canada. Please forgive me. And uh, as you can see, I'm skipping a lot of stuff. But anyways, the... There we go. The, during the Second World War, the, the Netherlands, Holland, was occupied by the Nazis, by Hitler. Notice I didn't say Germany. Because I live and minister an hour and a half from Germany. I don't profile people. <laughs> Large groups of people. Hitler did it. There's lots of Germans that did, wasn't for it. <laughs> Amen? That's just good teaching there. So, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, during the Second World War, Hitler occupied the Netherlands. And so the, the royal family, the House of Orange of the Netherlands, they said, we got to get out or he'll kill us or destroy us. And so they brought them to Canada, you know, probably because of our great military presence. Don't smile. <laughs> so here, the royal family of the Netherlands in, is in Canada, and they're going to have a baby. There's only one problem. According to the kingdom of the Netherlands, if the baby is born outside of the Netherlands, it can't be a prince or princess of the Netherlands. 
So Magritte is going to be born in Canada. Can't go back home to the Netherlands because they could be killed. But yet if they're born outside of the Netherlands, she cannot be a princess of the Netherlands. So they said, what in the world are we going to do? So this is what they chose to do. They went to the Prime Minister of Canada and the Governor General of Canada went to Ottawa General Hospital in Ottawa, Canada, and they basically roped off some rooms in the hospital. Okay? You got it? This area right here. And they, they made a royal decree. Can I borrow your service schedule? for an illustrative purpose here. And so they made a royal decree and signed by the Prime Minister and the Governor General of Canada and they gave this portion of the hospital, these rooms, to the Kingdom of the Netherlands. And they signed it into law that this is the Netherlands. And so Magritte (laughs) was born in Canada in the Netherlands. And I think that is so amazing. Because it's a great picture of the kingdom of God. See, you might have been born in West Virginia right here in this tank. (laughs) Or maybe you were baptized out in the river, the new river. The the new old river. But wherever you experience new birth, it might be West Virginia to you, but you were born into the kingdom of God. You might have have come out of the tank and went back into the same house and the car that you drove before was the same and it might have broke down on the way home. And so nothing that you see is, is... the same, but there's been a declaration over you from the kingdom of God. This is this is who you are. You're not that. I don't. It, it becomes a reoccurring phrase to some people. Lying spirits will pick up on things that have happened to you and will just breathe it through you and just push it into your brain over and over and over, over and over and over. My last, I promise, I think, I think, uh, this is my last illustration, but you've got to get this. So my beautiful, wonderful, godly, awesome mom had anxiety attacks when she was young for many, 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 many years. And so when she came into the house or the church, for example, she uh, had panic attacks and she was, she had a phobia to crowds. But she had a problem. She, she wouldn't miss a service. So she would sit down where you, this couple is right back there. The young couple. <laughs> That's you, yeah. Back there. Because if there was a problem, she could get out. And I remember growing up, she would always say, Vinny, that's my dad. Vinny, where's the keys? I got to have the keys. And she would have the keys to the car always on her person. Right there, I gotta have the keys. I gotta know where the keys are. Vinny, where's the keys? Okay, I got them right here. Okay. Even though she didn't like to drive, she had to have the keys. And uh, she had to know where the car is. She'd say, okay, the car has to be, it has to be 
close, as close to the door as possible. So that if, if I'm sitting there and I get a panic attack, if I get this stuff happens, then I can get out and get into the car, get out of here. And so that's the way it was. And so years later, I'm a pastor, I'm married to this beautiful lady, and we go back to visit my home church. And I, I was asked to preach, so I'm coming back to preach at that church where I was baptized in Jesus' name when I was 11 years old and received the Holy Ghost. And so I'm going back there, but as Carla and I parked the car, and as I was getting out, I began to sweat. And I felt like I was starting getting dizzy, and I thought I was going to pass out. I, I don't know what's going on. I can't go in there. <sighs> I can't go in this place. And I heard the words coming out of my mouth. I'll never forget it. Where's the keys? I've got to have the keys. I've got to make sure my keys are right here. <sighs> Where, oh. And I remember feeling like, oh, my goodness, he's going to want me to sit on the platform. I can't sit on the platform. I, I was a preacher that night. And I recognized that what it was, was what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. Is this okay, pastor? That wants to jump onto me so that I can't do what God has called me to do. Amen? I was walking on a tell. And so I just quickly walked back off. I said, no, in the name of Jesus... Uh, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm called to be. And took authority and dominion over that. Amen. There's deliverance in this place. But you've got to have understanding to have deliverance, right? But there's, there's fears that shouldn't be and panic in the body of Christ. There's, there's people that God wants to use mightily that hide for years behind. I'm just shy but you're not really shy by personality. It's a result of things that have happened in your life. And God wants to, you to step out of fear into faith in God's word. And say, I am not that. I am not that thing that the devil said. I am not what Keith said to me on the school bus. I'm a man of God. I know who I am. I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. The gentle anointing of God is in this place. If you've never yet been baptized in the name of Jesus, I know pastor would love to baptize you in Jesus' name. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, speaking in new tongues, this can happen in this altar. But whoever you are, don't live chained don't live in the past don't let the enemy steal what God has done in your life amen we're going to pray and God is going to set you free are you ready I've seen miracles I've seen the mute speak for the first time without a voice box as God rebuilt their voice box I've seen people with literally a lady with a with a a, a growth on her breast she had her hand on her breast and she felt it disappear when we said the name of Jesus. She screamed, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. But the greatest, coolest miracles is the transformation of our lives. Because you can have a broken body, but if your spirit is okay, you're okay. 
you can, you can fight anything, you can deal with anything if your spirit and your emotions are okay. Amen? The, this is some of the greatest miracles. And there's people here that have gone through horrible things. And some maybe you don't even know why you're like this, but there is a transforming deliverance for you tonight. Can we just, if you believe me, and if God has kind of put something on your heart, like, yeah, I need to get over this. Can it, someone just, big things or small, can you just raise your hand? Say, yeah, this is me. I need to get over this. Amen. Can we just, can we just come towards the front? Can we come to the altar together in Jesus' name? I'm going to pray a prayer of deliverance. And then right after, we're going to lay hands on each other and pray for each other. And God is going to set some people free. There's people here with mental anguish. Your mind is just tormented by the enemy. And it's not the will of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. This is for you. If the devil is telling you right now, this is not for me. This is not for you. Guaranteed it is for you. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want you to pray and just give it to Jesus right now. Give it to Jesus. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you my past. I give you my pain. I give you my shame. I give you my fears. I give you my condemnation. Father, I give you my insecurities. I give you, Lord, my, Lord God, I give you my panic attacks, my depression, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I give you my tormented mind right now and I, I step into my kingdom place right now in the name of Jesus.